0: Well, if you have your notes, take them out today. I'm going to finish this series called Tool Time. Next week, I'm starting a brand new series called What If. It'd be horrible to get to the end of our life and say, you know, if only, or what if I'd have done this, or what if I'd have done something else? Look at that opening verse there, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Would you read it with me? Let's read it out loud. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Remember that question was asked you when you were a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, you might have said, I want to be a president, I want to be a baseball player, I want to be a businessman, I want to be a missionary, you know. I guess the question would be is that, are you doing what you dreamed about when you were a kid? Uh, A lot of us would say, well, no, because that dream changed a million times, right? When I was five years old, my grandmother used to get me in front of people, and she would say at five, Terry, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a Church of God preacher, Church of God preacher, that's that's what I want to be at at five. I uh, lived on a farm, and so we had, we finally got rid of a bunch of chickens, I hate chickens as much as I hate cats, and uh, we got rid of them, and we had a little chicken coop, and so my sister and I would get in the chicken coop, and we'd play church. We'd set up things in a little pulpit, and I'd preach, and I made her get saved every day, make her get saved three or four times. You know, you got to get saved. And man, I would back then. You know, it was all hellfire and brimstone. You know, you're gonna die, you're gonna fry. You need to change right now. And uh, so I, I scared her little three-year-old life to death many times. In a recent survey, they found that seventy percent. of people hate their job. That's why at 501 people pole vault for the exit door, I guess. The statistics are that the average person in America changes job every 3.5 years. They see work as something that's a necessary evil. It's a very few, a minority that wake up every morning and say, wow, I'm excited about my life I have to live today. I guess that's why some of the bumper stickers that we see like this, work is a four-letter word, or help, I'm a POW, a prisoner of work, or "I owe, it's off to work I go. Today I want to talk about one tool that will help us in this area of our life vocation. And here it is. If you're taking notes, write this down. We need to focus, focus on your life work, not just your job. Focus on your life work, not just your job. Let's say that together. Focus on your life work, not just your job. I think part of the problem is we think these words that I'm just going to give you are synonymous, they all mean the same thing. My job, my career, my calling, my vocation. And we use those. In fact, we have what we call Votech tech schools to help you to discover a career or a job. But that's really a, a, a misunderstanding of what vocation means. Vocation is a Latin word that comes from the word vocare. And it means, here's what it means, a calling or being called. That's not the fill-in there. Yeah, that is the fill-in there. All right? That's very good. I didn't even know that was there. There. So care means a calling or being called. Say calling. So my vocation is not my career. My vocation is not my job. My vocation is my life calling. I say it like this. It's my life work. I say life work because that means everybody here is still living. Right? Look at your neighbor. They may not look like they're really into it, but they're still living. Everything has, everything has an expiration date, right? There's things in the fridge, expiration date. And your life has an expiration date. But evidently, the expiration date is not up on anybody here this morning. So that means to tell me that I need to help us to understand that it's not about your job. It's not about your career. It's not about that you're retired I started to say something else. Retired, but it's about your life work. So here's what I want you to write down. My vocation. My vocation is my life work. Say that with me. My vocation is my life work. My vocation is my life work. What is my life work? Life work is the calling or the assignment that God gives you for your life. It's not just a job. God's will is not that you would just have one job. You could have hundreds of jobs in your life, but you only have one life work, one purpose that he's created you for. You could have hundreds of career opportunities. Listen, if you are retired, your life is not over. You have a life work. Have you ever thought about Everything that you've gone through, every education, everything that you've had has brought you to the place that you are right now, that you can use your life work. But you have to understand, what's my life work? What's my life work? I love Howie back here. Howie, IBM executive. Maybe you weren't here a few, a couple last year when he shared his testimony. Making megabucks. He could have retired making it all. But you see, his life work. His life work, even at ninety-five, is to pour his life into. It. We're gonna have coffee this week. I'm gonna get in trouble, I believe. Is to pour his life in people that are helping kids and mentoring kids. That's a life work. When he dies, his legacy is going not be Howie. IBM executive, but it's going to be Howie, a mentor of people who work with kids and help them to discover who they are. What a great legacy. What's your legacy? Well, I live in the villages and I golf every day. I play pickleball every once in a while. I swim every once in a while. I, uh, I dance in the square every once in a while. I know how to do that. Wouldn't that be a shame that you come? You see, you came here and it's dangerous that God sent you to the Father's house when you came to Florida to retire. Because we're not going to let you retire. As long as there's still breath in you, you have a life work to do. You have a life work to do. And I want to be able to help you understand that. You may be a business person. But your life work is that you, you're like, Howie, you're like, I, I want to work with youth. I'd love to be a sponsor, a mentor with youth. Your, your, uh, your job or your career may be, you are very successful. You make lots of money. But you know that your life work is to be, is to be a kingdom builder. That, that God has helped you to be able to make money. I mean, it's really strange. People say, how is it? That even in downtown downtown economy, whatever, uh, turns down, you still make money. You know why? Because your life work has been so that you can make money so that you can help fund the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, when people get to eternity and God says, I'm going to reward you according to your life work, those who raise money and are uh, kingdom builders that use their money to build the church, they're going to get a great reward, sometimes if not a greater reward than people that are preachers or missionaries that didn't give their all. Maybe, maybe you're a successful businesswoman or, or something else, and, and you just feel like, you know, I just love to worship. I just, I just love to use my ability and my talent. I love to organize. I love to plan. I love to help. I love to do things with my hands. I love to find, say, is there something that needs to be done in the community or somewhere around? And I just love to do that. Those are all clues to your life work. God is more concerned. Write this down. God is more concerned with your why than your what. God is more concerned with your why than, when, than your what. I don't want to know what you do. I want to know your why. The why is, why am I here? Why do I have these gifts and talents? Why am I different than other people? And when I understand my why, then I'll understand what I'm supposed to do. But if I don't understand why I'm here, look, why are you here? Why is it that God wanted you to be born in this particular time, in the season? Why are you geographically here? If you don't understand that, you're going to just drift through life. But why are you here? Why? Why? I love this verse. Read it with me, Ephesians 1. It's in Christ, read it out loud. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. That's our why. That's our why, our life work. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he's working out in everything and everyone. In a recent survey, Barna found that 75% of people said, I'm looking for a meaningful purpose in life. 75%. In that same survey, he found that only 40% of believers say they have a clear sense of their calling of life. What is your why? Because you see, if you understand your why, then you'll understand your what. Paul's what was he was a tent builder. That was how he made money. But his why was there in Romans, he said, I'm an apostle uh, set apart for the gospel of God. That was his, that was his why, his why. My why my why, and I really believe this is my why that I'm living right now, doing what I'm doing. My why is to inspire people to fulfill their God-given destiny, to help others, and, to, and for God to get the glory. Now, that's my why. Now, my what could change. My what used to be a construction worker, but that wasn't my why. My what right now is I'm pastor, I'm teacher, I'm a writer. I'm a mentor. Uh, In a few weeks, I'm starting to mentor some of our sons and daughters in the house, raising them up, uh, up, up in the ministry, in our school of ministry. And that's my what. That's what I'm doing. But my what is not the important thing. My why. Why has God put me on this earth? Your life work, write this down, your life work is not a decision, but it's an assignment that you have to discover. It's an assignment that you have to discover. A product doesn't design what it's made for. Here's a product, all right? Now, you know, you could pick this up and say, oh, that's, that, that's really good. That's a new thing that I could sell on the internet. It's a good, nice angle here. It's an angle to help my wife when she parks the car in the garage to be sure that she comes in at the right angle so she doesn't hit the wall, all right? It could easily be that. Or this could be, you know what, this is to help me to see how much weight I've lost with my clothes. I'll just slip this down in my jeans and see a measure here and see where I am, right? But if you try to figure out... Because you're not the manufacturer of what this is. And we've been searching all morning out to find what it is. Sean, master contractor, has sent a message to Wes. Other people who work with him said, I have no really idea. I can speculate what it is. So we're left in wanting today of what it is. So I guess my estimation of this is better than anybody else. But not with God. Not with the manufacturer. Not with the person who manufactured this. He made this for a specific purpose. So why in the world would we go to our feelings or something else to try to decide my why. We have to view our life work as an assignment. Look at this Acts 20 and 24. Your life work is not a decision, but it's a discovery. It's an assignment that you need to discover. My life is nothing worth to me unless, say it with me, I use it for finishing the work assigned me the work of telling the good news about the wonderful grace of God. We tell the good news about the wonderful grace of God through our life work. That could be mentoring teams. That could be working at helping people, building. Uh, that, that could be manufacturing. That, that could be uh, right now in the season of life, a stay-at-home mom. That's your life work. That's what you're doing. And in that, you're pointing those kids to the Lord. So that's our, that's our life work. So people say, well, how can I discover my life work assignment? So here's a few things. I'm going to go through these rather quickly. You need to get into growth track. You need to go through step three. You say, I've been through step three. And if you're still clouded, you need to go back through step three again. You need to go back through it again. You need to go through it one more time. You need to go through that, and it will help you to discover your spiritual gifts. Another way to find your life work, and this is a big one. I mean, this is, this is really, this is really a, a revelation. Ask God. Ask God to reveal your why I mean you're looking everywhere else asking everybody else trying to figure it up on the internet Ask him James 1 and 5 says you have not because you ask not God says hello I made you trust me How about asking me or here's another one ask people ask people who know you well Say what do you see as my why why am I here? Why do I exist? Not what? Not what, what am I, but why? Why, why, why am I here? What, what do you see? What do you see as is, is the strong giftings that, that could be a clue to my life work? Here's another way we can do it. We have to be faithful where we're assigned. Be faithful where we're assigned. You see, people say, well, how do I, how do I discover my life work? I just, I just don't know. So I'm going to say, use those. And second of all, find a need and fill it. Yeah. If we say, hey, kid's sitting next door. We always have a great opportunity for people who feel like their life should matter more than just coming to church and sitting on a chair. You say, well, I don't know if that's my life work. Well, you start there. You be faithful there. You be faithful in the parking lot. You be faithful as a greeter. You find a place and you meet a need. You start there. Matthew 25, 21 says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share Come and share your master's happiness. He said, look, if you, if you can't be faithful to show up when it's your Sunday to serve little kids or somewhere else, how do you think God's going to help you understand your life? Oh, God, help me to understand my life work. I want to know my life work, my life work. He said, well, how about starting just showing up when you say you're going to? How about just being on time? I love what Anita says. On time is late, early is on time. Just start being faithful there. Start being faithful. Start being faithful. Find find a place to help. Um what what do you love? What you love most is a clue about your assignment. What do you love most? What do you love most? Oh, I just I, I love details. I I'm a detail organizer. How many of you know me? Would you say that's my why? No. I'm a bottom line. Anita comes in, she gives me 14 ways that she's made this one understanding. I don't want to know how you discovered it. Just tell me the bottom line. All I want is the bottom line. Don't bear me down with all the details, you know. But she wants to know the details, you know. She asks, how was your day? Fine. Do you have any phone calls? Yeah, Sean called. How's he doing? Good. What did he say? It's all good. It's all good. I asked her, how's your day? Well, you know, we came in, and the module, there's a leak in the roof. And I, well, I got somebody that got to come and fix that, roof, that, that leak in the roof, and the printers on the on the and, and all of those, and, you know. And, and uh, uh, Pastor Kevin sent me a new set of headphones, uh, Dr. Dre Beats. And I said, man, I love those because I can put those on, and I can just close out everything everybody's saying. And sometimes I can close out what Anita's saying, and just listen to the worship of the Lord. But I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I haven't done, yes, but right. There's a little book that comes with it, instruction book. And I hand it to Anita. All I want to know is how do I turn this thing on? How do I make it work? I don't want to know the detail. Thank God. Thank God some of you, that's part of your why, is that you're a detailed person that help organize and plan some of us that just want to say an event. I'm saying, hey, let's do this. And so the staff follows around me. Yeah, what, could we, like, organize it? Could we, instead of you just getting up in front of people And saying we're going to launch another campus In Tavares Could we like organize it a little bit Before we launch it, thank God it takes everybody So what is it you love the most Let me, read the, let me see the books you read Let me see the, the things you watch on TV uh, and, and you'll find a little clue Of things that you really like I'm not talking about, well oh, I watch golf I get the golf channel, I get the golf magazine I get all that because that's probably No I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about that Although God may want you to be a teacher I I don't know, but probably not. But what I want to know is that what is it underlying in all areas of life that you're really interested in? Your your, your your what could be your life work well oh, you know I just man I just you know you go to Tiffany's house we've got our small group there and uh, Tiffany uh, and and uh, and uh, Travis remodeled that house and they've got all these books and all the pictures of, of how they did that because they just love to take things that are broken and doesn't that doesn't work and make it fit together and pull together and I'm looking at that and I'm saying man what a great life work it could be somebody like that that comes alongside of a widow or a widow or somebody else that doesn't know how to do it how to fix. And they're coming along beside and saying, hey, you can recycle this, you can do this, you can do something else, and we make a difference. You see, sometimes we're only thinking it's in the spiritual things, if you preach or teach. But if we all preached or teached, uh, we wouldn't get anything done, right? It takes those of you that work. We have people that come in on Tuesdays and Thursdays and work with their hands. And every week I say, thank you for coming. Thank you for changing that light bulb. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for making that. Thank you for fixing that up. Because you see, I thought this was what you used to put thumb Attacks in a wall. (laughs) But uh, Gary and Bear said, no, that's not what you use that for. All right, and what angers you could be a clue to your assignment. What do you get ticked off about? I mean, what really makes you mad? Moses got mad when he saw a fellow Israelite being beaten, it was a clue to his life work. Now, there's a lot of other ways, and we're just, we're just skipping through those. But let me, I want to real quickly walk through some lessons that David learned from, from, from fulfilling his life purpose. Look at Acts 13, 36 in your notes there. Read it out loud with me. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors. That's a summary of David's life. It wasn't all about himself. Well, what do you want to do? Well, how can I make the most money? How can I make it more about? No, no. David served God's purpose in his generation by helping. He impacted his generation. Now, I know, as we say, I want to discover my life work, and we all face giants. Uh, I want to look at a couple of scriptures out of 1 Samuel chapter 17 because this is where David faced Goliath. It's a great story of talking about, how that he discovered his life work. And when he discovered his life work, and it was birthed of how that God hurled him into a position to to make a big difference. Uh, I just, some simple lessons. I I probably won't have time. I I may come back and redo this teaching in about a year, and most of you won't even remember anything, so it'll be good. Uh, Number one, every life work assignment has a predetermined place and time. Every life work assignment has a predetermined place and time. Now remember David was anointed when he was about 15. He was anointed. But it's going to be 20 years before he makes it into the into to be king over all of Israel. But there was a birthplace for his assignment there was a birthplace. There was a time when everything that he had been through brought him to the place that he understand, so this is my life work. You see, everything you've been through, everything you've been through has brought you to the place where you are right now. And today could be the birthplace. Today could be the birthplace of you understanding that you have a life works, a life work. And many times it starts by asking a question. Asking a question, why? Why doesn't somebody do something about that? Why hasn't somebody fixed that? Why hasn't somebody stepped up to the plate? David comes to the battlefield, and here's Goliath. And, and look at this, verses 26, 28, and 29 the first Samuel. David says, who does he think he is, this uncircumcised Philistine? There's a question you have to ask David when you get to heaven. How do you know he is uncircumcised? Just thinking. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have gone there. But, uh, in, run, in, in between services, when I sit down with the staff, they'll say, don't go there in the second service. But it's already snuck out. He's taunting the armies of God alive. His oldest brother said, oh, what are you, man? You, you scrawny kid, You're, you, you just take care of a, a bunch of sheep. That, that's all you do. You've come here to to just see a big battle. But David said, What is it with you? All I did was ask a question. Why doesn't somebody do something about that? Why doesn't somebody else why doesn't somebody else help some of these kids? Why doesn't somebody else do something about this in society? Why, why does we why does that that have to happen? Why doesn't somebody that's how mothers against drunk drivers started? Candy her little 13 year old daughter Christy was on her way to a church carnival And a drunk driver swerved off the road And killed her and he was he'd already Had several things wrong And he still had his license and she said This is not right and they said if he Goes before the court he's just going to get a Little tap on the wrist and that'll be It so she started a nonprofit Organization called moms against Drunk drivers and it's changed The topography of How the legal system handles drunk Drivers and it happened because because she simply asks, why doesn't that change why doesn't somebody do something about that and your assignment is geographical you see david anointed king but now he's tending sheep he's taking care of the sheep he's being faithful where he is but now geographically he's moved over to where the battle is it would have been better for you not to come today Because some of you have been moved geographically, spiritually, to understand God has a life work for you, and unless you complete that life work, you're going to come to the end of your life and say, what if I had discovered my life work? What if I would have understood what God wants me to do after I'm retired? Jonah was going in the wrong direction for his life work, and in 24 hours, God changed him around. I mean, Ruth was out begging for grain, and in 24 hours, she has a private limo. Uh, Joseph is in prison, and in a matter of 24 hours, he's a second in command. David has been tending scrawny little smelly sheep, and in a matter of 24 hours, getting to the right place at the right time, his life work was birthed as a redeemer that would stand a man after the heart of God. So every life work has an assignment and a predetermined birthplace. Number two, don't listen to negative voices all the time. Everyone was afraid, verses 8 and 11. Each day Goliath would stand and shout with the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out here and line up for battle? Choose a man to come and fight me. If he's able to kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I kill him, you'll become my subjects and serve us. Day after day Goliath taunted them, saying, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, everyone was deeply shaken and paralyzed with fear. For 40 days and 40 nights, all they could do is listen to the negative words of Goliath that said, you're sunk. There's no way out of this. It's not going to happen. Who are you listening to? Who is it saying that there's no hope? Some of you watch too much talk radio and talk TV. Everything's, America's going to hell in a handbasket. You hear that over and over until you believe it. I'm an American, and I'm not going to hell in a handbasket. So I'm different. Somebody's got to stand up and say, I'm not going to listen to all. That's some of you, that's all you listen to. You're over here and you're a foxer. You listen to everything. And you're mad at CNN everything is. Some of you over here are CNNers. And you're always mad at them. You listen to that negative, negative, negative. It's Trump. No, it's the haters of Trump. No, it's Trump. No, it's the haters of Trump. It's Pelosi. No, it's not Pelosi. And so you spend your whole life with that. How about just saying, time out. I want to spend some time hearing what God is saying in my life. I want to begin believing that if my people who are called by my name will humble and call on me. And his brothers question him. What are you doing here? What do, you, do you think you're going to change everything? You see, some of the people that are closest to you can be some of the most questionable people about your motives. Jesus is half-brothers. Could you imagine being a half-brother of Jesus? His mother Mary. Why can't you boys be more like Jesus? (laughs) Every time I need something, Jesus brings it to me. But I have to call you boys. I mean, be honest. How many of you, if somebody told you, your brother is the Messiah. But after the resurrection, his half-brothers became strong believers. But it took that. Your family's not Your family and the people that's closest to you in church are not always going to be the ones that encourage you the most. When we started this church, I was so excited that I had a local pastor invite me out for lunch. I thought, he's going to encourage me. So I went out to lunch at the Old Shoney's Hotel and he looked across the table to me and he said, why are you starting another church in Leesburg? We got too many churches now. What are you going to do? Just steal people from another church and bring them to yours? You know, what why, What? are you doing? And I just, I was dumbfounded. I, I, I couldn't even answer him. Well, that church is defunct and that pastor is working at another job. But you see, it's not about what are you doing? It's why are you doing it? Because God called me to do that. And I told him right off, I'm not going to take any of your people. I wouldn't want them anyway. Number three. (laughs) So help me God. I was that angry and I I said, I don't want your people. You keep them. And if they come, I'll send them back with a tail between their legs. Number three. Use what you have now. Don't say when I get more educated, when I get more money, when I get more talent, then I'll do that. No, use what you have now. Saul so tried to dress him up. Saul so tried to dress him up in his in his battle. Because, you see, at that particular time, well, I don't have time to deal with all this today, but it's, it's really, understand, when you understand history. Up until this time, what Goliath was thinking, that it was going to be hand-to-hand combat. He's going to stand here in full armor. Somebody else will stand here in full armor. And that's why, uh, when, when you understand that Saul was really tall, he had a physical condition, and part of that physical condition was a losing of the vision. That's why he had to have somebody carry his, his, uh, uh, his, his, his stuff in front of him, Uh, And lead him down into the valley. That's why he said send somebody to me And that's why when he saw David he said why are you coming at me with sticks? David didn't have any sticks. His vision was all messed up and all he understood was a hand-to-hand combat But David was saying I don't want your armor Saul. I got to use what I got I got a slingshot that I know how to use and I'm going to use that for God. It's part of who I am Number four, don't minimize your life work assignment. Don't minimize your life work assignment. Say, well, you know, I'm just taking care of kids. I'm changing diapers. You know, I'm parking cars. I'm doing all of that. No, that's just where you are right now. But in that, God may hook you up with somebody or a birthplace or revelation will happen. But it's not going to happen if you're a spectator every Sunday morning at church. You come in as a spectator. Well, I wonder what kind of coffee they'll have today. Oh bummer. They don't have donuts. Why don't somebody do bananas? do not somebody do apples? Why don't you? Why don't you serve? Why don't you serve? Well, I, I didn't like that that music that was a little often uh, You know what's wrong with the other drummer? That drummer now he can't even hardly reach it. He's so short. I, I don't understand Why don't you drum? Well, why don't we, why don't we expand the building? Why don't we do something else? Why don't you start tithing and giving? This is not a spectator sport. It's a place where we discover our life work. And there's no, there's no minimizing of those. You're hearing this sermon today, and God's going to work in your life. Number five, your life work will always cause somebody else to succeed and God to get the glory. Don't tell me your life work is is all about you getting all the accolades. It's about helping others succeed and God gets the glory. David came to Goliath, and I won't take time to read the verse. He came and said, you come to me with all that, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And if the Lord doesn't help me, I'm sunk. But if he does help me, he gets all the glory. Nobody in history, we talk about it all the time, that David's fighting Goliath, the impossible situations, but it was made possible because he did it for God's glory and then after he did it then all of the fearful people jumped in and they began to maybe you beginning to serve maybe the reason a lot of people fearful people will be ready to serve and to do something number six your life work will take you to places you never dreamed you would go your life work will take you to places you never dreamed you would go The Lord sent me today. Listen to this. The Lord sent me to tell somebody today, you've not gone everywhere the Lord wants to send you. Get ready for some changes. There are people that you haven't met that are going to come into your life, and you are in a transition because my hand is on you. And number seven, your life work is your legacy. I got a lot more I could say about those, and I'll say them in the future. But your life work is your legacy. If you're still here, God's not through with you. You're going to be remembered for the problems you helped solve or the problems you created. How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? I think of Jeff and Trish Possible, very successful businessmen and women in this in the city. When I, look, when I look at that and one of these days, if I live longer than Jeff, and I get to do his memorial, I say, what is his legacy? What did he leave? He left a legacy of using the money that he had as a successful businessman to pay for most of that sign that was out front, to pay for a lot of other things here, there, and everywhere, just like some of you do the same thing. I look down the front, and I see some of the ladies that are in in, in part of the prayer ministry. You see, an intercessor could be probably one of the biggest legacies that you could leave. When your life checks out, somebody will say, what was their life work? They were an intercessor. They were a worshiper. They were a giver. They were that. But what if, what if, what if you spend the rest of your life like you're spending it now? Would God say, you're finishing the assignment that I've given you? So I'm going to pray for us this morning. There's a connection card in the chair in front of you. And if you're here today and you say, Terry, I honestly really don't know my life work, but I sure would like to. Would you fill out that connection card and would you put on the back, I need to understand my life work? Because I want to spend some time this week praying for you. And if I hear anything from God, I want to be able to follow up with that. So that means you need to put some information on the front that I can know who you are, where you are, and our team who prays on Saturdays. But I want to pray for us this morning. Father, I pray today that... You would help us to complete the assignment that you have given us. That means that everybody that's here today, be it young or be it mature in life, we still have something to do. And we want to finish that and complete that. Help us to discover that and, and give us the ability to start somewhere, start serving and giving somewhere so that you could send the right people into our life in your name, Jesus. I really felt strongly that the Lord said, Some of you have been really praying for breakthrough. And the Lord's been praying for you to do something with your life. He's got some people for you to meet. He's got a place for you to go. But so far, your whole life has been about yourself and not about others. Where can you serve? Where can you use your gifts? And this morning, if you're here and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, the prayer team is going to be down front at the end. And I'm going to be down front at the end. Anita will be out front to meet any of you that are first-time guests We want to meet you today. But I just really feel like today that up close and personal, our prayer team wants to be down front. We want to meet you if you've never invited Christ into your heart in your life. Or if you have a special need today, we want to pray with you and for you. Jesus cares for you, and he loves you. Let's get ready this morning to receive our tithe and our offering. I was reading this morning. I was reading this morning in uh, Exodus chapter thirty-five. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, "This is what the Lord has commanded: From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring it to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze." So I just want you—I just want to ask you today. God says that one of the ways of worship is that we return the tithe, which is ten percent of my increase and the offering to him as worship. So how are you doing with that? Have you started and stopped? Start back again today. If you've never returned the tithe, if you've never been a giver, start doing something today. It may be in that area that God wants to send somebody in your life to make a difference. Hey friends, thanks for watching today. And I believe that today's teaching was life-changing for you. We prayed that way and we believed that it would and so I just want to say in advance, thank God for how he changes our life through the power of his word. I would um, encourage you today that if you've never made Jesus the savior of your life, the Lord of your life, I would love to pray with you today and for you to make that decision. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. That's what's so very important. So I'll pray a prayer and... Uh, you put your heart to it and you pray this prayer after me Father God thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins on the cross I could never get good enough to come to you in your holiness but I know that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again on the third day to give me a new start a new beginning so today I repent of my sins And I invite you into my life. And as best as I know how, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit and help me to walk day by day in your strength and your power. Man, I hope you prayed that prayer today. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you call the church office or let us know that you prayed that prayer. I have a book that I'd like to give you that will help you know the next steps to take. Giving our heart to the Lord is not just something that we do to get the guilt or the bad feeling away, but it's a life change. It's new things that we start doing, and the book that I want to give you will help you in that. Also, if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to join with you in praying about those. And uh, if the Father's House and these teachings have uh, blessed you and you've benefited from them, would you consider supporting the Father's House? Uh, First of all, through prayer and encouragement, and second of all, through financial support. That's how we continue to keep our missionaries going. That's how we're able to keep these sermon series going out to you. And so if you'll just ask God what he would have for you to do, I would really appreciate it. So just remember, here at the Father's House, we don't care where you've been. We just care where you're going. And I think you're going in the right direction. So I want to see you next week as you watch here from the Father's house as we bring you the word that will change your life.